Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. In the midst of trouble and trials, it's natural for you to ask God to take them away, and sometimes He does. At other times, though, He chooses to come to us in the midst of our trials so we can experience His presence and power. That's because God knows that strong faith is more easily formed in the storms of life than it is in easy times. In Daniel chapter 6, the prophet is about to experience a tremendous storm of racism and religious persecution. However, the combination of God's glory and Daniel's faith will grow your faith. Let's join Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message, Costly Faith. It wasn't just a crisis that drove Daniel to his knees. Daniel was a servant of the Lord, and prayer was a daily practice in his life. And notice he, he kneels in submission to God. That's what the kneeling is. He faces Jerusalem. They longed for Jerusalem. Faces the area where the temple was. The temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, but the temple was symbolic of the presence of God. They longed for it. You see, we say about the Exodus that it took one night for God to take his people out of Egypt, but 40 years to get Egypt out of his people. Daniel was the exact opposite. Maybe it took him a short time to get Daniel out of Jerusalem, but they never could take Jerusalem out of Daniel and a lot of the other people that were there. Some people acclimated. They became like Babylonians, but other people did not. In fact, King Solomon hundreds of years earlier, told them, 1 Kings 8, if you want to read on your own time, again, we'll see it in Daniel chapter 9, that if you get exiled, that's what you want to do. This is true prayer. It concern, he's concerned for the honor and glory of God and the people of God. We say this, he's praying for the glory of God in the church. Friends, that's something we all need to pray for. We all need to pray for the glory of God in the church. I know some of you have friends, you would love to have them come to church. Do you want them to come to church and to see a bunch of people going, how great is our God? Is that what you want them to say? Book of 1 Corinthians says what you want to have people come into church and see people, not all weird, but just worshiping God and saying, surely God is in this place. That's what you want. Remember that when you sing after the, after the message today. Remember that when you come in next Sunday to hear about Daniel saved in the lion's den. That you are a testimony, a witness to someone who's coming into the church. Maybe someone who's never been in a church like this before. Maybe someone who doesn't follow Jesus. Maybe somebody who wants to know about all this stuff. So many people want to know about all this stuff right now. Or maybe it's someone who was far from God and think, well, maybe I'll give it one more chance. That it is our love, that it is our worship that will we'll testify to people that this whole God thing is real. Daniel's character was formed in prayer. Daniel's character was formed in worship. 
Daniel's character was formed in the word of God and his trust in God was just revealed in the times of trial and trouble and difficulty. Trials and difficulty, if you wonder what you are, those things will reveal it. Who you are in God. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. We like that. We can walk in like, who the heck do you think you are? You're like, I'm a child of God. I'm coming in boldly to the throne of grace. Why? You're going to obtain. What are you going to obtain? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you like that? How many of you like that? The rest of you need more coffee. But this is what I want us to remember. Go back to the beginning. You come to a throne. And don't ever forget that. Daniel, on his knees, looking towards Jerusalem. Jesus would be looking up to heaven. What did those guys remember? They were praying to a throne. Not some dude on the street. Someone who had the power to change everything. The way we come to God sometimes, I could just imagine him being like, come on, man, you're coming to a throne. You're coming to a throne. Remember, you come to a king. Let that sink into your heart every time you pray. Have the reverence to know that you come to a throne Notice he comes, and there's no mention about this new law. There's no mention of praying for his life, although that's quite possible. Look what we're told. He gave thanks before his God. Let's be perfectly honest. Do we come in to the throne room of God? And how much of our time is spent giving thanks for the goodness of God? When we come into the throne room of God, what are the angels saying? Ah, here comes the complainer. Here he comes again. Oh, this guy, man. I can't believe God makes us endure having to listen to this guy. Oh, here she comes. Let's sing her song. All the angels are going, here's her song. Me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Yes, we're going to get those things from God. But do we give thanks? For the goodness of God. That's what Daniel did. Thankfulness to God is what leads Daniel. It will lead you and it will lead me to trust God and to face today's and tomorrow's trouble. Now, some of you say, I'm a busy guy. I don't know. I don't really got time for that stuff. Really? Are you being nominated for vice president of the United States? You see, Daniel was a guy who made time for the important things in life and wouldn't let anyone or anything change that. Look at verse 11. Then these men assembled, and so they come kind of as a group, and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. All right, you ready? Here comes the tough part. They knew where to find him. They knew 
where to find him. Let me ask you a question, whether you're sitting here, another room, watching online. Do people know where to find you on a Sunday morning? Are they like, oh, well, they're in church. Oh, I'm going to call so-and-so. Don't bother. He's in church. Well, I'm going to text so-and-so. Don't bother. They're watching their, their goofy church service online. Don't bother. Now, if we're honest, what do most Christians today say? Well, I'll be in church unless something else is going on or unless I'm tired. Verse 12, and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Uh, Have you not signed a decree? They're playing dumb. Are we mistaken? That every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. He's like, you know, I signed it. It can't be revoked. I can't change it. Now let's read verse 13 twice. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decrees that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Now let's go through what they're really saying. So they answered and said before the king, oh, that Daniel. Oh, I don't think that's the tone at all. I think it goes something like this. That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, do you know what that is? That's racism. That's what that is. And racism disgusts God, disgusts him. You could make the argument there's not even such a thing. It's also religious persecution. He's not one of us. He is not one of us. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he came from another country. And and, and I said, listen, except for a few of us, we're all from another country. (laughs) You know, my, my grandparents came from Ireland. Right? They didn't, like, they didn't like the Irish. Some of you still don't like the Irish. You watch those old British movies. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. That's what it says in the, in, the, in the hotel windows. That's why I was raised from, from my grandfather and my father saying, listen, they didn't like us. That's why we love all people. That's why I don't get, I don't get it. I don't. I'm, I'm dead serious. I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me. My grandfather said to me, son, this is a great country. I'll spare you his Irish brogue. He talked like he was drunk and had marbles in his mouth and somebody just punched him in the face. It's a great country. You know why I said this was a great country? Because everybody eats every day. These guys are racists. They're religious persecutors. That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show regard for you, O king. Another version says, he ignored you. What are they saying? He disrespects you. He doesn't honor you. The king knows it's a blatant lie. Or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition. In other words, he still prays. The implication is to his God three times a day. Now know what's going on here for Daniel. Instead of Saving Daniel from trials, God, as he often does, is going to save Daniel through the trials 
to reveal his power, to reveal his glory, and to put great confidence in you and me. Loved ones, please, please, please remember this, that faith is often formed in the storms of life. You prepare and the storm comes. You have decent faith and the storm comes and you end up with rock solid faith or you wilt. But to make your faith rock solid, you and I are going to experience storms of life. I know we all want life to be like the beach. Oh, look, a waitress, bring me an ice cream cone. We want life to be easy. No kind of real faith is going to be formed in that. Not at all. You have to see the faithfulness. When you know that you've gone through something difficult and you still love God. I know people who've lost children and they still love God. They've lost spouses and they still love God. That's real faith formed in the cauldron of adversity, not in some country club lifestyle that we call America. That's what God is doing in Daniel's life and will do in ours. Faith is costly and our trust in God will be tested. This cost drove Daniel. It drove the apostles. It even drove Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the cross to pray before he had to face the lions. Verse 11 says Daniel's making supplication. It means he's asking for the grace and glory in God in the midst of such evil and such lies, even in the face of death. Verse 14, and the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. So he's distressed. Why? He knows he's been tricked. He knows he's been tricked. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored. Another version says he made every effort to the going down of the sun to deliver him. He wanted to save him, some versions say, rescue him, but he couldn't. In other words, he's got his team of lawyers saying, we're going to stay up all night, and we're going to find a way if we can get around this law. Then, verse 15, these men approached the king and said to the king, No, O king, or as you know, king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Another version says, May he rescue you. Now, it went something like this. They throw you into the lion's den. They made sure the lions were good and hungry. And if you survived, you were innocent. <laughs> I don't know what you look like when you came out, but, <laughs> but you were innocent. Now, some Bible scholars say, well, that could never happen. Or they'll say, well, why is he talking to Daniel as he's being thrown into the lion's den or something like that? Or if he's down in the pit, whatever. What they actually said was some scholars have found some of these pits. And what it was is there was two compartments. So you'd feed the lions in one compartment and then they would eat 
Then you let them stay in there for maybe a day. Then you put them into the other compartment and you'd clean out where they were and then you'd keep moving them back and forth and that's how they kept the, it's not exactly, you could be like, well, sit in the corner, kitty. It's fine, you know. <laughs> My own cat doesn't do that when we clean his cat box, okay? So, so that, that's the way that they would do that. Verse 17, then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purposes concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. So he is what? He is troubled. And no musician, some of your verses say entertainment or diversions. What does that mean? He's so troubled. He's like, I don't want to watch Netflix tonight. No social media, no sports. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. So what's the problem? He can't sleep. He can't sleep. Now, he's really bothered by this, correct? But he's not strong enough to lose faith and save Daniel. His sentiments are nice. I don't want Daniel to die, but it's not costly faith. Yet his words indicate to us he saw costly faith in Daniel's life. He says, you're God whom you serve continually. What a great testimony. I mean, this guy worked with this guy and he knew that he always served God. It probably had knew what happened in chapter three. And he adds, he will deliver you. He had seen the consistency of the faith and trust in Daniel's life. And that faith is now even seen in the face of death. Daniel knows that past faithfulness is good, but present faithfulness is more important. And once again, past faithfulness prepares us for today and for tomorrow. Now, notice the character so far. Did you notice so far Daniel hasn't said a word? We know he prayed, but we haven't heard a word. We don't get to hear from him till next week. The crooked politicians, they're what? They are angry. They're as angry as the lions are. The king is what? He's full of fear and frustration. But not Daniel. Daniel's not even afraid to die because Daniel fears the Lord. Now, I think there's a hidden message for us today. Government may or may not hassle us like the people of God. But it's very important that we don't put our faith and trust in the government because it keeps changing. Isn't it amazing how you could have one administration and then the next one takes over and all the guy needs is a pen and people throwing papers in front of him and just changing everything. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And listen, as Christians right now, we, we feel marginalized. A lot of times we felt, a lot of us have felt marginalized for a long time. And it's nice to have a president who, who likes you. We like that, right? That's why you have a lot of people who really like President Bush and really like President Trump. They were like, well, you know, this is wrong or that's wrong or something like that, but he likes us. You know, to some extent, you could say President Obama, and I'm not saying President Biden hates us. But it's, it's nice for people to have a, a president that, that likes us, but let's not make that idolatry. Do we fight for righteousness? 100% yes. Do we get in that voting booth and vote as Christians? 100% yes. But ultimately, our trust must be in the name of the Lord. And we cannot let politics 
divide the church. Because who does that reek of the work of? The other guy. We have to be able to sit and discuss these things. As powerful as he is, why? Why do we have to discuss these things and put our faith in God? Because as powerful as is the earthly king, cannot save Daniel from certain death. And he actually admits only the true and living God can. 600 years later, a little more than that, Jesus Christ, God become a man, will be in a similar situation, unable to be saved by a ruler, Pontius Pilate. Pilate, like Darius, lacked the costly faith to stare the establishment down and deliver Jesus to the cross. For Daniel, it was to reveal the grace and glory of God and to encourage the people of God in Babylon to remain faithful to God. But for Jesus, Matthew chapter 1 tells us this, it was for him to save his people from their sins. Well, who are the people that he saves? Who are his people? Those who, Jesus said, repent and believe. Those who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus. On the cross, Jesus cried out Psalm 22, 1, written a thousand years earlier, 450 years before Daniel. Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Next week, we'll see that Daniel couldn't say that because like all followers of Jesus, God was with Daniel and God is with us. But Jesus was forsaken, so we would never be forsaken. Many scholars think it's possible that Jesus was praying Psalm 22 when he was on the cross. You know what Psalm twenty-two twenty-one says? Save me from the lion's mouth. Now, for Daniel, it was the physical lions. You could say that the religious leaders were like the lions. You could say the Romans were like the lions for Jesus. But there was another unseen lion, the devil who walks around like a roaring lion, seeking to whom he can devour. And make no mistake about it, loved ones, he wants to devour the church of Jesus Christ in America right now. He totally wants to devour us. And they were both sealed, both Jesus and Daniel, in a tomb. The difference is this. Really, Daniel had integrity, but he was a sinner. Jesus was perfect. Daniel was to be an encouragement, an example to his people. Jesus Christ is a savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place for your sins, including all of the times we lack integrity including all of the times we compromise, including all of the times we give in to the world. Faith and trust is very costly. It cost Jesus his life. So those who would trust in him would receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven with God as well as receiving the righteousness of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ. You know, when you go into that throne room, do you know that you are seen because of Jesus if you've put your trust in him as beautiful and wonderful in God's eyes? But if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me tell you something else. 
lacking faith and trust is far more costly than having faith and trust. Since Jesus is the only way to receive the forgiveness of sins and to rise from the dead to eternal life in heaven with God, you must put your trust in Jesus Christ. And so it seems like every passage, somehow God is calling us to that. Do you want to be thrown to the lions or do you want Jesus to be thrown to the lions in your place? That's what happened on the cross. And so if Jesus is calling you today to put your trust in him, put your trust in him. If you have questions, please contact us. See me after the service, one of the other people wearing a name badge or contact us here during the week. Faith is costly, but not having faith is much more costly. Maybe not here, but for all eternity it will be. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Changed by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Changed by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.